Welcome back to the Miss Art World podcast. I have um, my special guest, Claire Lockhart, with me. Um, again, this is the second time we're recording our podcast because she's awesome and is up for doing it all over again. And I think it will be even better because she has some great creative series that she's working on, which we'll talk about. But um, welcome, Claire. Yay! Thank you for having me back, or for the first time for people who are listening to this. Yes. And I actually think this is better because at the beginning of the podcast, we can tell people to stop whatever they're doing, go to the kitchen, get out their crackers, cut up some cheese, put out the little fruits and make themselves, you know, the art reception lunchable. And they can snack on that and pretend they're at an artist talk or reception while they listen, if they're feeling that. lonely. <laughs> The artist talk lunchable. I feel like you could market that and then send it out to people. Yes. Um, also, while you're doing that, mm-hmm. you should look up your Instagram or web page so you can get a visual of what we're talking about. So, do you want to share your web page and Instagram? Yeah, my website is clairelockhart.com. So, K L A I R E. L-O-C-K-H-E-A-R-T. And I have to spell that out because Spellcheck does not like my name. <laughs> and then my Instagram is Claire Lockhart, same spelling, all one word. Very cool. Okay, so you live in South Dakota, right? Yes. Okay. And born and raised? No, I was born in Washington and I grew up in Minnesota. I've lived in the Midwest my entire, almost my entire life or the alternative version of my biography is I am a robot and I was activated fully functional to create art and be weird. Beep boop. (laughs) I love it. And then just a little bit about about your background. You have a BA in, is it studio art? I actually have a bachelor's science degree. Oh, I know, I know, I know. My bachelor's science degree is in art and art education. And then I have another bachelor's science degree. It's actually in liberal studies, but I watched The Addams Family recently, the movie, and Morticia said that her degree was in spells and hexes. And they're like, oh, okay, liberal studies. So my other degree is in spells and hexes. Very fitting. (laughs) And then you do have a uh, MFA. Yes, my MFA is in painting and it is from the University of South Dakota. Okay. Well, great. Um, And you create artwork that addresses gender identity and feminism within the contemporary American culture while incorporating humor. I feel like humor is such a big element to your work. Um, that you you like I can't imagine someone walking in and then not seeing the humor in your work (laughs) but then also coming to the underlying tones of feminism and gender identity yeah living in the midwest makes it so let me back that up in this area a lot of times if you say feminism they treat it like an f word and so it's important for me to incorporate humor into my work because I have these important messages, but I don't want to shut off my audience. And by incorporating humor, it makes my artwork more approachable. And then it opens people up for the, the messages I want to share within my artwork instead of just being, Mah, women are people, which apparently is a controversial statement 
sometimes in South Dakota, <laughs> unfortunately, but if I include something that's funny and opens the door and allows people to be part of that conversation, then I have a chance of sharing the messages that I want to through my artwork. And you also incorporate humor in your artwork too. I do. And that's why I think I respond so well to your work um, because I, I feel like humor is such a powerful, um, like superpower to employ within your artwork to get to the heart of an issue um, that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And of course, your fellow feminist is like totally on board. But I feel like with our artwork, it's more important to reach those people who maybe don't agree with us, but then have that open conversation about gender equality and feminism that you wouldn't necessarily get if your work was too too much in your face. What's the series that you're most excited about now? So the series that I display the most is the Feminine Attempt series. That's where I've had most of my solo exhibitions. And that is the body of work where I have these life-size oil portraits on canvas. So they're between six and seven feet tall. And the best way for me to describe them for people who haven't seen these paintings is it's Betty Crocker meets Betty Page. And it's a way for me to explore the the absurd expectations of femininity, but in that way that's incorporating humor because the clothing they're wearing has that that modest vintage like 1950s sitcom housewife dress on top but then it's paired with very provocative footwear which I think is so fitting because you're supposed to be this homemaker but you're also supposed to be this like sexy put together woman all the time and it's just not realistic Right. Like these conflicts are the things that I was really interested in exploring with that series, like the expectation that women are responsible for all this gross, dirty, disgusting work. So like a lot of the housework and child rearing on top of their regular jobs. But then there's the expectation you're supposed to be a supermodel on top of that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who are the women that you get to model for you? So when I was making that series, I started off with a self-portrait. And after I completed that first painting, I showed it in a, in a critique. And one of the artists in the critique, she looked at it and she's like, oh, I have boots. I hate cleaning my house. You should paint me. And so I got my first volunteer. And then she told a friend of hers and I met her and photographed her in her home for reference. And it just snowballed out of there. So there are four self-portraits, but then also all the other women volunteered to be part of it. And I would interview them first to find out like how they feel they fit in with the gender expectations placed upon them. And then I would photograph them inside their homes as reference because I can't make some poor woman stand in those shoes for a hundred hours no. <laughs> while I paint her. And then, um, yeah, then I would create the whole painting. And the titles from that series came from quotes of them when they were 
like when I was in the interview, I would take a quote that they had about their expectations or how they felt they fit in as a woman. And that's where the titles came from. That's awesome. And are you, is that a series that you think you'll just work on continuously, like as women volunteer, or do you see kind of it bookending at some point? I haven't made one of those paintings in a couple years. And part of it was I have been exhibiting the series. And so they were traveling around a lot. And then I also have like so many other projects I want to work on. Now, if I could get commissioned to paint life-size grumpy feminists <laughs> for the rest of my life, I, I would find that very satisfying. But I have other series and other things I want to say. And so I've had it, I've taken a pause on that for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice that it's being exhibited currently. Yeah. Now, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, even though we're in a pandemic, I did have an exhibition in the Twin Cities area recently with all the paintings and took those back recently. And So that was kind of nice to have at least one show. Not everything was canceled or postponed. From a fellow artist who works on large scale paintings, do you have like a storage place that you put all your paintings or is it stored in your house? Or like, how do you tackle that issue of space? Well, I have, well, I should say, my husband has a very nice big house. Oh, good. <laughs> and <laughs> so one of the guest rooms is storage for a lot of our artwork. And I have my own studio space and there's a lot of artwork stored there too. And I've been fortunate that I chose to bury someone with nice storage no I'm kidding yeah. <laughs> that's not the reason that's that part of the package uh, <laughs> you have to have room for my painting thank oh you oh my goodness <laughs> well I had all of those big paintings completed before we were even dating so oh he knew he yeah, yeah. Himself <laughs> he, he's aware so that's nice that I have space to store that in the house and then we have a giant van that transports everything pretty nicely. Before that, I would go through used minivans pretty quickly. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the kind with the, the flop down seats. So if there's anyone that is like pursuing their MFA right now in painting or start kicking off their, their career as an artist, the best investment I can suggest is find a used minivan with float with fold down seats I otherwise so smart oh it's so hard to otherwise find transportation for things and it really opens up your ability to transport your artwork in an affordable way because you can get you know a used vehicle for the same cost as it would be to crate and ship one painting yeah no that's true let's talk about the Bordelesque series uh, yeah because <laughs> that's it's so fun like how did you how did you come up with the concept and what is the concept for those okay. who are listening? Yeah. So the Brodolesque is a character I invented and it's a combo of a bro. So, you know, a macho dude, man, and 
an odalesque, which comes from the Orientalist painting movement. And so the odalesque is a character that is usually seen not dressed and languishing about on cushions and on beds. And it's supposed to be a concubine inside of a harem is the gist of it. And that character is extremely problematic because the Orientalists were these European heteronormative cisgender men, and they would travel to the Middle and Near East, or at least claim that they did. And they would paint very realistically to say, oh, this is what I saw. This is what I witnessed. And they're supposed to be painting scenes within the harem or the harem and that's an off-limits part of the home and so that would just be for family and relatives and very close friends would be invited and there's really no way that these white men from Europe are going to be invited into that place in the home in actuality but they would go back to their studios, usually in France, and hire local models and dress them up in sheets and drapery and like fake <laughs> these scenes that they were painting very realistically to present as truth. Now, there were some artists that actually did travel over there and they would paint uh, the Gawazi or the Wulad Nail or also some Olesks as well, but it was really artwork that is it's meant to be objectified. It's like for the male gaze. So G-A-Z for people who are listening. <laughs> and I've spent a lot of time in, you know, art history classes or in museums or around other artists. And you see these paintings. So like going back to even Titian's Venus of Urbino or Aang's Grand Odalesque or even up to Manet's Olympia. And so they're these nude women and they're just completely objectified and just oh, there for the male viewers. And if I have a problem with these paintings, oh, it's me, I'm uneducated. I don't understand beauty and truth and whatever philosophy they were quoting at the time. And so my reaction to that is to flip the binary. And so I'm painting men in these same passive poses and I'm painting them in the man cave as my amalgamation for the harem because it's supposed to be an off-limit place that I would never be allowed to attend and with these paintings if they are really about beauty and form and composition then my paintings will be very very serious and not funny at all <laughs> and then you look at them and you're like this is so funny and <laughs> lounging Oh my goodness, they are ridiculous. And all my models are such good sports about it too. And uh, so who have been your models? I know your husband yeah. uh, has <laughs> been uh, your model recently. Yes. Uh, pandemic wise, I'm mm -hmm. sure. But who, who are the other men in your series? So the first painting I completed is a person that I had met in graduate school. He's a printmaker named Casey and I went to his home and he was right on board with this concept. So he was like saving up his mess in his living room to make it look more man cave for me. And he insisted on wearing sunglasses in his painting too. He's like, I want to look like a total tool. So <laughs> So he got like his little 
like superhero ephemera out. And I think there's beer bottles in that and he wears sunglasses. And then the next one I uh, created is, uh, he was my, my best friend in graduate school. So Jacob Duga and he and my other model, Ronnie, they live in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And so I drove to Louisiana to photograph these men in, in their man cave spaces. And Jacob's painting is the one that's based off of Manet's Olympia. And in the background, that's his wife inside the inflatable dinosaur costume. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and Jacob, because our studios were by each other in graduate school, he knew how much I would just anguish on painting little teeny tiny details. So in my Feminine Attempt series, I painted a lot of fishnet and I had like the right number of diamonds on those tights because I'm just so particular on that. So he like got out things because he thought, oh, this will be fun to make her paint. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then the next model I have is a friend of mine named Mike, and he's not an artist, but he's very supportive of the arts, and his wife has modeled for me. She's the one in the painting of the woman with the diaper genie and her giant Viking baby on her hip. Mm -hmm. And so he was in uh, one of the newer paintings and he has like all the chips laying out on the floor. And if you've never painted a teeny tiny Doritos bag before, that is a good challenge. <laughs> good and, exercise. How yeah. what's the scale on those ones? Um, These ones are small because yeah. I want them to be seen more as objects than actual people because I want to try and see if it's possible to objectify men. I don't think I've been successful in any of my paintings to completely objectify them. Oh, and then one other thing that's really funny about them, you'll notice that a lot of the men are wearing khakis. And this is because of with Jacob and Casey, when we were in graduate school, we would use khakis as an analogy for being nude instead. Oh. <laughs> so they're technically in their minds nude. They're nude because they're wearing khakis. <laughs> <laughs> but the majority of these paintings is going to end up being my, my very wonderful husband, who I should probably, you know, I'll, I'll give him a plug. So it's Aaron Packard of Aaron C. Packard Productions. And it's <laughs> <laughs> very serious. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him to sponsor us, maybe put it in a commercial. There yes. <laughs> Today's episode of the Miss Artworld podcast is brought to you by Aaron C. Packard Productions. Thank you. <laughs> but he is such a good sport about it and so he gets what my my theme is with this series and then also we are in a pandemic and so that really shut off my ability to work with models because I'm not going to go in other people's houses right now mm. and I'm just going to work with what I have available but that's still okay because you can be very creative within limitations and you got i I love husbands and men who are just like, <laughs> I'm going to do this and I'm going to look like a tool and wear mm -hmm. sunglasses and like totally understand, support, and are on board with your concept. I think that's just 
great. Oh yeah. And do you, do you get to rope your husband in on your performances or work? I have, he's a little bit more hesitant. Mm -hmm. Um, he has a, we both work for government. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he tends to kind of be more, a little bit more conservative with the roles that he has played in my performances, but my brother's are totally <laughs> on board with whatever I ask them to do. I went, we went to um, Japan for our honeymoon and we okay. went to a maid cafe, which is where you go. And it's usually single guys that go. Okay. And everything is pink and just ultra feminine and ultra girly. And okay. there's these women dressed up as maids and they refer to the men as masters and they give like uh like um coffee drinks with like cute little kittens on it and they it's very like creepy and uh that sounds unnerving <laughs> it was so weird so we went to like three of them because i was like i'm so interested in this weird mm -hmm. subculture of these women in these roles and you would go and then you would pay like extra money for you to pick out a girl in this catalog that would come then play a game with you and it was like little kid games it was very weird oh so I, I yeah I decided that I wanted to recreate that performance here but I wanted to flip the gender roles yeah so I got my two brothers to dress up as maids and the maid outfits that I ordered from Amazon were stolen. So I had to go to party city and they only have like extra large maid outfits. Oh gosh. So are these like falling off my brothers <laughs> <laughs> and my brothers would like lean over and be talking to, to guys and say, Oh master, do you want to play a game with me? Do you want to mm -hmm. selfie with me? And I think my brothers like had way too good of a time because they just, like shined in these roles. Oh, that is amazing. I it was love really that. interesting. Oh, I need to come out and see one of your performances in real life sometime. This is, well, after the pandemic. Well, yeah. And if yeah. you ever need, you know, a couple guys to act strangely, they're oh my gosh. up for it. I'm going to come out. Would they be bros for me? They would totally be bros for you. Yeah. <gasps> 100%. Oh my goodness. Okay. When we survive the apocalypse. <laughs> After the zombies come and eat half of us. Oh my we'll, goodness. We'll get back to the arts, I'm sure. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> well, isn't that like if history repeats itself after the the Black Death went through Europe, they had the Renaissance. And so I am banking on us having a new Renaissance after the pandemic and everything. This is, this is my personal motivation and I'm going to work really hard and keep up, you know, producing art because I want a Ninja Turtle named after me. I think <laughs> it should have a Ninja Turtle named after you. They need yes. a whole female Ninja Turtle series and definitely has your name on you. Yes. <laughs> Can you, I, I don't know the name of the series that you're working on with your husband oh the our post-apocalyptic one that's a oh. good transition because you were just talking about the apocalypse yes so smooth transition we'll go <laughs> we'll, we'll go into our collaborative work so that is thunder domesticity okay 
So it's like Thunderdome and then domesticity, but I love ridiculous names and combining things together, which is why I wrote a lusk and now <laughs> Thunderdomesticity. <laughs> and so this is a like an imagination or I guess a visualization of what it will be like in the post-apocalypse because I feel like a lot of our language now or at least with my friends will joke about oh yeah I remember in the before for a time when we could get together and we could be indoors and, and around each other yeah and so it's this is how my my pandemic coping is coming out is in this series and so it's kind of like a futuristic post-apocalyptic world but seen through the lens of like this traditional femininity still because that's an overarching theme within my work and so it's like how in the cartoon Futurama it's the future but it's seen through like that twilight zone lens so it's that older aesthetic. And so I'm using that retro ideation. So like 1950s sitcoms, but in the future. And I'm specifically doing it as women. And I'm the only character in this so far since it's just a brand new series. And it's like, I have this June Cleaver-esque dress and I have a paper mache chainsaw arm it looks like a chainsaw arm in the photo so <laughs> it does. I'm so glad you said paper mache because I would have never thought that it was anything other than the actual like chainsaw oh. thing that you made <laughs> yeah my my pinata skills are very excellent if I don't mind saying so fun little <laughs> so the chainsaw arm and then I have a lot of belts because belts are important in a lot of like post-apocalyptic media and I have like a holster where instead you would have like your sawed-off shotgun I have like spoons and spatulas in there and <laughs> everything is distressed too like I think I spent more time destroying and reconstructing the dress than I did actually making it in the first oh. place which is so much fun and part of the reason I'm focusing in on women is because when you watch like a lot of these movies, like the the first Mad Max movies or a lot of these other ones that are like offshoots of it, women don't really exist in those universes. I mean, there might be one, but she, her costume is usually like the scraps of the men's costume. So it's like this post-apocalyptic bikini thing. And yeah, hanging <laughs> off of her. Oh, yeah, that's not practical. You're not running around the apocalypse in heels. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to like my Feminine Attempt series, like even though I'm still using like these gender identity themes I'm playing with and the dress that I have in the series of photos is actually a clone of the first dress that I have in my Feminine Attempt series. So the painting where I'm washing dishes, that green dress, mm -hmm. I copied it by just like doing measurements and made another green dress and that's the one that I destroyed but that's such a lovely connection <laughs> that I had no idea that you did but that's so poetic in so many ways it's a little easter egg in there I guess <laughs> someone add that to my wikipedia page oh yeah oh wait I don't have one yet someone make one for me you will, you will <laughs> do you have one yet no Oh, should, we write, should we write each other's pages or would they catch on to that 
maybe, but hey, why not? <laughs> oh, goodness. So anyway, with this Thunderdomesticity, this is a collaboration with my husband because we are in a pandemic. It limits who we can work with. And, and he's a photographer, right? Yes. We, yeah, we met in graduate school. So he has his MFA in photography and I'm actually recording in his photography studio right now. And so he's taking these like extremely high resolution, fancy pants. I don't know the terminology. I'm a painter, not a photographer. <laughs> fancy pants oh my God. the term that we're using for his yes. photography <laughs> um, his fancy pants photography I'm sure he'll cringe when he <laughs> listens to this as long as I keep saying Aaron Packard of Aaron C. Packard Productions maybe he'll be okay with it <laughs> today's episode of the Miss Art World podcast is brought to you by Aaron C. Packard Productions thank you and so he's making these just very like epic dramatic photographs of me out in different we're doing different nature places right now that are within driving distance of where we live because we're both so incredibly busy to be able to get away and do a photo shoot and then also to oh my gosh to do my hair up I've tried to figure out how to do a buffon this last time and like my hair needs to be bigger and so I have all this like fake hair stuffed in there and I'm trying to sweep it over the top. And I probably should have looked up a tutorial, but I'm one of those people that I like look at the thing and like, I could do that and try and figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I can make that. I'm an artist. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are you like that too? You see a thing, I'm like, mm, I could do it. Totally. And then I get to the point where I'm just beyond frustrated because it's not how I'm envisioning <laughs> it to be. And then my husband's like, wow. Did you look it up? Did you look up how to do it? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> I do that. I'm a problem solver. I'm going to do it on my own. <laughs> then he looks it up and then teaches me how to do it. And it's just a beautiful cycle of <laughs> struggle. Oh, goodness. Yes, a lot of struggle. But I, I like figuring out how to do things on my own. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason I really like painting is because here's the thing I want to make. And then I have to, you know, build my structure. And then after I have that ready to go, it's like the problem solving of how do I paint thigh high vinyl boots with laces and buckles. And I've never done this before. And so each painting is, oh, I just, I'm painting these. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? It's <laughs> the Dorito bag, you know, it's <laughs> Oh, yeah. I started a new painting since I talked to you last, too, and I'm trying to go a little bit bigger. So this one's four feet wide, and it has so many patterns in it. It is ridiculous. The sheets we have in it is, like, I could have just used plain sheets, but no, no, no. I went and I got the Halloween ones that had little skeletons on it. Of course. And I've spent the last week trying to draw these little skeletons on the folds of the fabric and that's the background that's not even the important <laughs> focus of the painting but it'll be an epic bro so nice. <laughs> you'll see some photos of that on the the social medias when I <laughs> when I get it to a state that's photographable anyway well and you uh going back to painting you yeah. are a I don't know how you would define yourself but you like to paint realistic like that's something that you are passionate about sticking yeah 
And I know that's not like the most popular, especially around here. Uh, abstract paintings are, I don't know if it's in the Midwest and we're just a hundred years behind the time, but a lot of people act like, oh, this is brand new. And anyone that doesn't paint this way is old and stuffy and behind the times. But I paint realistically intentionally because in the history of art, you have women were excluded, at least in the Western history. So women weren't allowed to go to the academies. They weren't allowed to have live models and they weren't allowed all these same opportunities. And by the time that women were able to go to school, go to the academy, study from models, that's when there was a shift to abstract art. And so it's like women finally got a seat at the table and then the tables were literally turned on them. And I am mad about that still. It's like, no, women should have their time to do this. And it's like that, oh, that Gorilla Girls poster. What is it? The, do women have to be naked to get in the Met? Mm -hmm. So it's Aang's Grand Odalesque with the gorilla face and I mean, overwhelmingly, women are not represented in museums or galleries, even today. And when they are, they're not artists. They're just the nude models. Mm -hmm. And so I paint realistically on purpose. So that way my art would blend in with the museum. So if someone's curating or looking at their history and they're like, oh, no, half of our artists aren't women, even though half the population in the world is, we need to correct this. They can call me up and be like, hey, do you have anything we could add to our collection? Like, I will be there. I'll drive it to you in this van. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like that having that, that timeless quality. Also, it's, you know, the, the sins of the past where women were excluded from this. So I want my stuff to kind of help correct some of those statistics. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important for an artist to choose the path that they want and not choose the path that's most popular because mm -hmm. if you're trying to always keep up with with what is popular you'll always be behind rather than mm -hmm. sticking to what you're doing and then waiting the art world out until they come back around to whatever you're you're doing it's just mm -hmm. gonna cycle back through yeah I, I figure we'll be due for something coming back to this and mm -hmm. let's see if i'm right <laughs> One, I feel like painting is one of the few mediums that will just always be so important within the arts. Like painting is never going to go away. Right. And you said that you were starting to make some paintings again, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm playing with materials because mm -hmm. I, I grew up as an oil painter. Um, and then when I got into grad school is when I started to go into performance art and it was more like this is the concept that you want to talk about is feminism and beauty mm -hmm. pageants and all these different things why are you only sticking to painting versus like performance art like you are performing in pageants why not make that a medium for your art and that mm -hmm. was kind of a mind-blowing idea for me that I just wanted to hit the ground running and and experiment with and ended yeah. up loving it but there's nothing like sitting down and and making an oil painting and then yeah. having that last 
and you're able to exhibit with it forever too. Like my performances are great, but they only last for like 20 minutes and then they're done. And yeah. you had to be there or you missed it type of thing. Right. Well, that ephemeral quality is very appealing too, because like if you're there, you're part of it and you have these like amazing memories of it. So we don't have a lot of performance art out where I live. <laughs> I've, I'm about five hours away from the Twin Cities. And so I don't have more metropolis areas to visit. And so that's why part of the reason I think I'm attracted to your artwork is it's very different, but then also the great like feminist messages you have. And then like, I think one of the first videos I saw of yours was where you're in all the glitter, like, ah, that just must be a nightmare, but I love it. And <laughs> I remember seeing your website and you had your call for Miss Art World. I'm like, can I be Miss Art World, South Dakota? I was fully thinking about that. I was like, I wonder, because I took that down recently. Oh, okay. Because I had someone super interested in okay. being like a Miss Art World somebody. <laughs> but like, uh, she was totally against um, like the feminist ideas. She didn't want to represent that at all, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the Miss Art World brand is yeah. so about feminism or at least gender equality like if you don't like the f word that's fine but it's the you i want someone who represents the miss art world brand to be <laughs> to have a concept and have like a passion that they're yeah. fighting for and she just didn't but i was thinking like oh you would be perfect. If you were interested, I would totally be down. Should I, do I need to get a crown? I would. You could, yeah, I will okay. send, I will make a sash for you. And you. You could just have your way with it. Oh my gosh. Should I, oh, you want to do a trade? I could send you one of my silk screen aprons that I made. That would be great. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, so down. all right. After this, we'll, we'll figure out the trade, but okay. oh, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> the first person that I met that would be like I would totally be down to let her just do whatever she wanted with it well and then I love too that you're sticking with the Miss Art World because you were I remember you're talking about the different like pageant levels and nomenclature with that would you mind explaining that to me again I don't quite remember yeah um so in the pageant world and mm -hmm. even now that I'm married I've kind of noticed it where you have the miss or mm -hmm. you have the the teen miss mm -hmm. California and then you have the miss and then you have the Ms. and then misses and they're all different blocks um broken down by your age mm -hmm. so to be a miss you have to be I think it's 18 to 24 maybe like that's the ripe age for a miss mm -hmm. anything older like now you become a miss because you have entered into this like old age for <laughs> a single woman is that it's our spinsterhood i mean yeah pretty much <laughs> and pageants are, are definitely trying to become more modern so they the one pageant system that i was in extended it to 30 so now a it, yeah like oh, oh. Um, so I've always the miss has always been the most valued out mm -hmm. of all the, the 
the women in the system, even the misses that would run with me, like it was always center focused on the miss, which is mm -hmm. ridiculous because all of these women are volunteering and they all have platforms. Why are we so focused on this like young, single, beautiful woman is yeah. because she's available. She's ready at the age to be married. Yeah. Um, and now that I've gotten married, I have really kind of honed in to the idea that now that I'm married, I have to change my, what is it? Surname? Is that what it's called? When you change your last name uh, or, well, or your title or title prefix. From, is that yes, it? Prefix. Okay. Uh, from miss to missus, whereas yeah. my husband has always been a mister. So yeah. he's not defined by whether he's single or married. He's just a man. Right. It's like, I, well, I just want to be a man. Uh, I just want to be a man. <laughs> you just want to be a person. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and not defined by whether or not I'm connected to a man. Right. Like, and then, or your age too. Yeah. So I just got married last November and oh my gosh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, I think I had mentioned this to you before, but it was, it was kind of a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> my husband, who's my boyfriend at the time booked a trip to Las Vegas and it was just kind of to get out of town. Cause it was, it was November and it was cold and it was snowing and we hadn't been able to travel. And my job was just, ugh. And I, I had a, you know, I had an inkling, but when we got there, he booked uh, an Elvis impersonator for us, but I didn't change my last name because I've, everything is branded already. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'll change my last name if he would change his, but all his stuff is branded. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, what would I go by do I wear I don't know if I want to be Mrs. Lockhart so I think what I settled on is I want to be called Lady Lockhart of Packard Manor I love it <laughs> so if I have to be in situations where I'm referred to as my last name I think I'm going to correct them and be like no it's it's Lady Lockhart mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds so regal and important <laughs> yes why not <laughs> It's so funny that you talk about branding because I ended up changing my last name. Okay. But I don't think it was that big of a deal when I, when we got married is because I was already going by the Miss Art World. Yeah. But before so that, it would have been a huge deal because I was doing my last name in mm -hmm. my art stuff, but it is a, it is something to think about. Yeah. And I know other women artists that are younger are not married and so they kind of they worry about that especially in the midwest there's a big expectation to switch your last name and so they will do like their websites they'll do just their first name artist.com or their first and middle name instead because they don't want to have to rebrand if they end up getting married but I'm like i don't know you're more famous i think whoever has the better last name should keep it that's true too. Or I have a friend, one of the women in one of my feminine attempts paintings, she's the one with her two daughters. And so I made them matching aprons for that painting. And when she got married, she and her husband invented a new last name. So she's now, their family last name is Nightshade. Ooh. I know. 
<laughs> I didn't even know that people do that. I think that's great. Yeah. So they invented their own last name because neither of them were too excited about <laughs> theirs. They sound like a superhero name. Like Yeah. Before we go, mm-hmm. um, I do want to talk about your how you say dabbling in performance art. Um, because I, I thought that was an extremely interesting project. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about that. Oh, the pockets one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I did, uh, yeah, like the only performance piece I've actually done was the lady with pockets. And I got a big tent and I made those like folk sideshow paintings where it's like see the live mermaid and the sword swallower and so I had those hung up in the tent and I painted the outside to look like the like the advertisements for going to see sideshows so it was like see the lady with pockets watch her transform ordinary clothing into practical clothing and I set up my sewing machine and I had all of my clothes in there and I sat there for five hours and sewed practical size pockets in my clothes because I'm sure you've had this like you get a pair of pants and you're like oh my pockets are sewed shut and then you spend all this time picking the stitching out and then you put your hand in there and it's one inch deep you're like oh good I could carry a tic-tac and a paper clip yeah <laughs> or the like magical dress that you're like on the fence about when you're mm-hmm. trying it on and then you discover it has pockets and then you're like, well, I have to get this now. Yes. <laughs> because it has a pocket. <laughs> yes. And so I had at this pe- this performance too, I got a lot of my fantastic friends to participate. I had one dress up as a carnival barker. Someone was the strong man. So we put like balloons on the end of a bar and put like a thousand pounds on it. And so he was lifting weights all night. I had a juggler, I had a dancer. And so they were getting people to come into the tent and I would do this kind of sideshow thing while I was sewing and I would hold up a pair of pants and I would find like the biggest man and I would say see how small these pockets are from my actual pants and he put his hand and it goes up to his fingernails and he's like it's so small and then his mom or girlfriend or whoever was with him would elbow him and be like see that's what I told you that's why I carry this big ugly purse and then I would sew a little bit and then I would see like through the magic of sewing, I'm able to transform that tiny useless pocket into something practical. And then I would pick someone else in the audience, usually the woman with the biggest purse and she'd put her hand in and her whole hand would go on up to her wrist. And she's like, Oh, it's so big. And then they would applaud or cheer and there would just be the gas from the big pocket and I would say in the most magical part and then I'd stick my hands in my pockets that I sewed into my um, carnival outfit and I'd like pull out my phone and my keys I'm like I didn't even need a purse today ta-da that's great so it was very ridiculous it was very tiresome it was it was two nights in a row where I just sewed all these pockets but on the plus side my clothing became practical after this i was gonna say like now all your clothing has all these beautiful large pockets that you yes utilize. and every now and then if i get more clothing i will just rage so pockets in my clothes so i'll take like i take out my phone because that's the biggest thing i have and i 
cut out fabric for that and just add it to everything. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again so much for being on the podcast again. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. This has just been an absolute pleasure.